An honour. I realise we've had a bit of a longer service, and so we'll just keep going. Um, I actually, I actually felt uh, a bit of a word for our church that I want to release that I felt the Lord give me during worship. So test it. It may be the Lord. It may be the McDonald's I had for breakfast at nearly 10 a.m. Thank you, Daniel, for picking that up for me. <laughs> I actually felt the Lord say uh, that that. We're about to come into a season where this will be the fastest growing church in our nation. But as I, as I typed it out, um, I actually wrote fasting, growing church in our nation, even though I heard fastest. And I feel there's such a, a, a depth that's coming in this place. So I want to encourage you, fast, fast, pray, go deep with the Lord. And as we go deep with the Lord, I, I really do believe this church is going to explode. Um, I humbly submit this to uh, the leadership team to start a school of intercession, multiplication, leadership. And I felt like the Lord said, even though you've tried to start things before, maybe, and you felt like they didn't quite get the momentum, the Lord saw your faithfulness with the little, and here comes the much. So don't be afraid to, um, to be training up because we're going to need a lot of leaders because <laughs> this thing's going to explode. Um, get ready for what I'm about to do will stun you and leave you standing still in awe of the goodness of God. I actually saw Liam walking um, in the parking lot and he just went, whoa, just in awe of what the Lord's doing. And um, I also felt... And like I said, just submit this, I submit this to the leaders and to you to consider um, with the Lord. But I actually felt there's someone here in this building that could even fund uh, the rent of the first year of a building. And even if you have to free up assets if needed. And I felt that, there's a, that a house of prayer is needed for this region. Come on. That there's actually, um, there's actually a space that's needed. And, and it may even start small and get bigger, I don't know. But if, if that word burns in your heart right now, that you may even have an investment property that you say, I'm going to sell that house to build a house for the Lord. Um, but I feel like there's someone here and you know that you could fund at least the first year of a building for this ever-exploding family. And if you have to free up assets, then do it because uh, a house of prayer is needed for this region. So I just humbly submit that to you. I was a little bit um, nervous about stepping out on that one. Um, but I'm preaching today on stepping out, so if I don't model it, what on earth are we doing? I want to thank uh, Pastor Liam and Pastor Dean and the leadership team of this church. I feel like I'm, you know, some people say, you know, if you attach yourself to a ministry, it can feel like attaching yourself to a rocket that's taking off and you're just hanging on for dear life. And I feel like that every time I come to church here because of the uh, nature of the traveling ministry that my wife and I, my wife Joyce and I do. Uh, unfortunately, I'm here really, it seems like once a month at times. And then there's other seasons where I'm here more often. It's very much our home. And um, I find myself stepping in every time going, where did all these people come from? <laughs> and hi, I'm Andrew. And how long have you been going here? Five months. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse my ignorance. I've only been going here five weeks over those five months. So I'm sorry we haven't met. <laughs> um, but I wanted to honour Liam and Dean 
Uh, one of the things that you'll find if you attach yourself to this church is you'll find that you're in a church that wants to raise you up and send you out. And I can tell you there's nothing better. I've sat with many a person who they just weep over the fact that their pastor doesn't empower them, doesn't believe in them, doesn't send them out. If you come to, to Liam and Dean and say, look, I feel like, you know, the Lord's put this on my heart, probably their answer is going to be, cool, what are you going to do about it? Not, oh, that wasn't my idea, therefore you're not allowed to do it. <laughs> they might not call it a sanctuary ministry if it's something like completely out of what we're called to, but you've got some of the most empowering leaders uh, ever that you will ever come across. And so I just want to thank them and honour them. Uh, how many of you came uh, this morning and you began to listen to what uh, all these guys shared you know they've just come off a camp and and you're thinking oh yeah camp high and yeah yep you know and you're going you know i couldn't do what they are doing like that's great you know going up to strangers at petrol stations and gang leaders in bendigo and open air preaching and but the reality is i don't think i could step out in that area how many of you would agree with that statement i don't know if i can step out in that area I've got a couple of honest people, so that's wonderful. Um, how many of you feel like there are times in your life where the Lord nudge, is nudging you to do something, but you feel this fear come over you and it's difficult to step out? How many of you have had that experience? Yeah, a few people. Yeah, I have that all the time, just so you know, that fear uh, that comes. Well, today I, I want to bring you a word on stepping out. And I actually felt the Lord say, this is why I didn't have any time for breakfast, because I was working so hard to get this slideshow together. I actually felt the Lord say just to share a little bit of, of our life with you, of my life with you. It's actually incredibly vulnerable and a little bit nerve-wracking. But once again, I'm going to step out as I would encourage you to step out. So I've got uh, family photos here. Um, that I'm going to be sharing and a little bit of, of my journey in life. For those of you who don't know, um, uh, I'm regularly terrified about the life I live. <laughs> um, for those of you who know us, I'll share as the journey goes, you'll see what, what we're up to. But on Thursday, we fly out as a family to Kenya and we're going to be there for seven weeks I'm overseeing a project to bring in hundreds of evangelists from around the world to see three million documented decisions for Jesus in Kenya in one year. We've printed five million books. I'm overseeing a budget of like, who knows? It's, it's, it's like terrifying on one hand. You kind of go, like if anything goes wrong, everyone's gonna say, he's the leader. <laughs> like, oh, call Andrew. And um, even we just did this fire camp and at, at one stage we had an ambulance show up, we had the police show up because of some challenges that were happening and everyone's saying, where's Andrew, you know? And there's times where I'm like, it would be so much easier just to step back. But I, I just step out again and again and again. And I just pray, my prayer for tonight, for today, Maybe we'll go till tonight, we'll see. My prayer for today is that there would be a stepping out happening 
in 2023. I really believe it's a new year, it's a new opportunity, there's new priorities coming. The Lord's word over my life this year is don't get caught up in civilian affairs. Come on. Don't get caught up in civilian affairs. I have zero desire, I'm just going to be frank with you, I have zero desire to know who finishes at the top of the footy ladder this year. I have zero desire to know who marries the bachelor. I don't care whether the farmer gets a wife. I, am, I have set my face on the things above and I'm pressing forward. And that's not a word of condemnation, but if it's a word of conviction, take it and run with it because we are at war. It's not necessarily a physical war. It is a spiritual war. And we are called his sons and daughters, but we're also called co-laborers. We're soldiers. We're a family on mission for the Lord. So I was born in, uh, at the Mercy Hospital in Melbourne. I often joke that they named the hospital after uh, my mother said, Lord, have mercy when she met me. Um, but it's called the, it's called the Mercy, it was called the Mercy Hospital. It was in Melbourne. It's now moved out to Heidelberg. There's my dad. And so I was born to uh, a farmer, uh, farmer's son who actually became an accountant. So my dad has, uh, his dad was a dairy farmer. And then my mum was a nurse, uh, the daughter of a dentist would keep going. Um, along so at the age of seven my family and i moved to indonesia my parents went on a missions trip to the philippines they saw people being born growing up and dying on a rubbish tip literally it's a big mountain some of you may have been there on missions trips or heard about it there's this big mountain and they literally build their houses into the trash and it's where they are born where they live and where they die and my parents saw this in, uh, in Manila and they said, we're done. We can't do middle class suburban life anymore. We can't do, you know, the accountant and the nurse having a nice life and raising their children and going on their holidays. We have to make a difference with the blessings that's in our hands. And so they uh, went off to Bible college. They went, uh, did some mission schools. And they asked the Lord, where's an unreached area? And they just went. They went with, uh, with that mercy in one hand and with the gospel in the other. And they would serve people medically. They would do English teaching. And they would um, seek to, to reach people for Jesus. So there I am leading. It was quite ironic. Um, I was leading the, the Independence Day parade for our neighbourhood but it was an independence from the Dutch. So they had a little white kid walking out the front going, yay, we're free from the white people, hallelujah. It was very funny, but apparently it was a big honor. And the kid over my left shoulder, uh, your right, his name was Indra Austrian, and he was a, a, from a Muslim family, and he was my best friend growing up in Indonesia. And we had, um, I was there for three years, it was very special. We'll keep going. And then we moved back to Indonesia again. So when I was 10, my dad got sick and he was very sick. Some of you know my story. He was quite absent. It was really not good. He had a miraculous healing up at Careforce Church when a gentleman by the name of Danny Greenwood prayed for him. He got miraculously healed. And then we went back to Indonesia a second time. This is me over in an island where there'd been a big war. I was the first white person back on that island. 
I literally um, held bones in my hands. I had armed soldiers with me at all times. Um, it was wild. But I learnt from my parents stepping out when I was seven that sometimes you just get a vision on your heart and you step out. And so even at 16, I said, before I move back to Australia, so at 16, I said to my parents, I want to move back to Australia and I want to get a good education because one day I'm going to be a doctor and I want to change the world for Jesus. So I'm moving out of home at the age of 16. My parents said, not happening, not just out of home, but all the way back to Australia. And I prayed and I, and I felt the Lord say, ask me to send rain for one day as a sign in the middle of the dry season that you ought to move back to Australia. So as a 16 year old boy, I said, tomorrow it's gonna rain, it's gonna bucket down and my parents are gonna know that this is a sign from the Lord that I'm to move back to Australia. And it did, it poured down rain all day the next day in the middle of the dry season, which doesn't happen. And I said, mum and dad, I need to move back to Australia. So I moved back to Australia, but before I came back, I wanted to see where all these refugees had come from that we were serving in the refugee camps. So I went over to where the war had been, it had just finished, and um, it was one of the most life-changing weeks of my life. I spent one week there, I had to get permission from the, the very top generals and heads of police departments and everything to travel, and I had armed security with me the whole time, I had to sleep in, the, in, uh, in between the soldiers at night. And I was privileged to be at the Christmas service of this village that had lost, it was their first service back in the, in the village. They had lost a third of their population from the war. It was a war between two religions, one against the other, and their village uh, lost a third of their population in one day. And I was privileged to stand in that service with all the soldiers around protecting our service and the, the mass graves of the people who had died were still there, like the bodies were just outside of where we were meeting. They were just covered up with some tin. They were in the big fish pond, the church. It was a beautiful church. They had a beautiful fish pond out the front. But when everyone died, they just threw the bodies in there and covered it with tin before they ran. And so I was privileged to be there. The interesting thing is on that same island, I'm now going to run a big gospel event in June. And we are going to see tens of thousands of people give their lives to the Lord and the locals when I tell them I was the first one here after the war I stood in that church service and I wept with you and I'm back and we're going to see the kingdom advanced like they just lose it they're like you love us don't you I'm like yes I love you I love you because Christ first loved me. So there I am with some of the soldiers. We keep going. So that was me at 16. Then I moved home. That's actually the young, this young guy. I wanted to show this photo because he's the guy that baptized me in the Holy Spirit when I was 16 on a camp for refugees. And I actually felt that I had a word for the youth today as well. So if you're in your teen years or you're a child, do listen to my stories because they're going to inspire you. I really believe that uh, you too are going to step out in your faith. So anyway, he baptised me in the spirit when I was 16. That was amazing. His name was Brum. We can keep going. And um, there I am on my year 12 graduation. What happened to Andrew? So I'll tell you what happened to Andrew. 
two years in Australia without his parents. <laughs> now, when I first came home to Australia, I started a prayer group at my school. We began to reach the school for Jesus. It was amazing, um, but I was struggling with my, valid, with my worth, especially being away from family and all of that. And I began to look really to popularity. I mean, most teenagers do at some point, but I looked to popularity, I looked to girls, I looked to all of that. And so this is my graduation photo. I still, uh, I still, knew, I still loved the Lord, and, but I was beginning to drift. Um, we can keep going. Um, and between that photo and this photo, I, I totally went off the rails. I was in a bar and uh, drunk suicidal mess. Many of you know my story. A man I'd never met came up to me, just like Max at some, to someone at the petrol station and said, God loves you so much and you have to come back to him. It completely transformed my life and once again I had to step out. Not a step out of, of action, but a step out of belief. Sometimes we have to step out in believing what God says about who we are. That can be as big a jump of, of faith as moving countries. To actually stop and say, I'm not going to believe the lies anymore. I'm going to believe the truth because I believe the lie was too dirty for the Lord and I heard the truth that he loved me and I actually received it and it changed my whole life. So fast forward, I meet my beautiful wife, the absolute love of my life. I don't think she's in the room, which is probably good because this message would go for another 20 minutes starting now. Um, she's absolutely incredible. We can move forward and uh, we got married. I don't... You, you have to have really good vision to see that, but there's a look of terror on my wife's face. And I don't think it's left ever since, you know, our wedding day. She's like, Lord, here we go. Am I, um, yeah, bless the Lord. All right, we'll keep going. And uh, then I became, soon after getting married, I became the young adults pastor at Discovery Church or Careforce Church. And once again, that was a step out. And I remember, um, I remember... <laughs> I'm just going to be real with you because this is how it went. I was standing at the urinal at a conference in Bali and the then senior pastor of the church came up next to me at the urinal and said, what are you doing with your life, mate? You're called to full-time ministry or what? And then we did our thing and we both went off and I couldn't forget it. I could not forget. The Lord has called me to full-time ministry. And I had to step out, so I stepped out of uh, a corporate job that I had and moved into full-time ministry. We saw that young adults ministry, some of you may remember those days, we saw it go from about 60 engaged young adults to 300 engaged young adults in three years. We saw baptisms, I baptised Dean, Pastor Dean at that time. And uh, some of those young adults are in this room, it was a very special season. And um, I just had to step out. I'm telling these stories for a reason, by the way. Because some of you, you heard me say, are you called to full-time ministry or what? And something in you went, Ooh! you know, so take note. Don't just move on. Take note. All right. Okay. And so stepped into full-time ministry. We'll keep going. Um, and then we moved to America. Uh, so one, I had a, a wage and everything at that church. But the Lord uh, called us to plant a church and for me to do my master's. So I graduated from Fuller Seminary. We can keep going. And uh, we started at a church. These are all of our neighbours. We would have these neighbourhood parties in, uh, in California. 
and Muslims and atheists and Buddhists and you name it, they'd come, we'd pray to Jesus. It was the most incredible little season. And uh, we had to step out. We had no wage for three years. And there are people sitting in this room that uh, supported us financially. And I thank you so much for that. We'll keep going. Um, and then after America, I, I can't go into all the details for the sake of time, but after America, I was a bit lost because I'd been pastoring for 10 years, but I was always like a square peg in a round hole because I wanted to reach the lost. I would sit in church services saying, what are we doing in church? We should be down the street preaching the gospel. <laughs> and so um, a lady came up to me who I'd never met before. She stepped out in faith and she said, Actually, she stepped out in a mistake, but the Lord used it as faith. She said, hey, you're coming to Germany with me. And I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. She said, oh, you must just look like someone on the Facebook group that's going to Germany. Never mind. I said, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? She goes, there's this, this training we're going to have, you know, Reinhard Bonnke and, and the Billy Graham guys and Ben Fitzgerald. We're going to train you in how to do stadium evangelism, but it's full. So forget we had this conversation. Well, I stepped out in faith. I called the, the organisers and I said, I hear you've got a training happening in a week's time in Germany. I want to be there. And so I want you to accept me. They said, we will accept you if you can come up with $5,000 to pay for everything, plus your flights, and you need to get your own accommodation. I contacted one person in Germany. I know two people in all of Germany. The one person I contacted lived seven minutes from where the training was happening in a town called Lorak. They lived in Kandern, which is just down the road. And they were dear friends. I stayed with them. Someone donated the money without us asking. They just felt a prompting. And uh, I had everything I needed and I went, went to Europe and while I was in Europe, I'm going to spare you the details, the Lord called me into evangelism and he said, you're not to take any more pastor roles, you're an evangelist. So here I am in a stadium just dreaming about what's possible and um, in Switzerland that is. And I had job offers to, to take on some of the, like some really big churches in, in Australia and the Lord said no. So once again, we live by faith and praise the Lord. He's looked after us every day. So just moving along. And then my wife and I had uh, these two thoughts. One was we could join this little ragtag church called Glory City Church that was kind of forming in a... At that time, I didn't even know if it had that name. It was kind of forming in a little house off Browns Road um, here in, in Montrose. Um, a little a little house that's been a huge blessing and we could either do that or there was another ministry that was offering me a paid role and um, we we climbed a mountain at the back of uh, the Noosa area climbed one of those hills and we sought the Lord Joyce and I on our walk we got to the top of the hill and we knew that we knew that we knew that we need to call Liam and Shen and say how can we help you with your church plant so we came here and that's been an incredible journey of once again stepping out we keep going along um, we started a thing called awaken the valley some of you will remember that we united churches it became awaken the city awaken the north awaken the peninsula there were all these things happening and then awakening australia came many of you will remember awakening australia we can move on and um and we saw an incredible move of god in our city after that franklin graham came which was just absolutely stunning. We can keep going. 
And then uh, I stepped out again into the evangelism boot camp. At the time I applied for the evangelism boot camp, I had about $300 to my name. I needed to raise about $60,000. Wow. Don't ever plan with what's in your pocket. Plan with what's in God's pocket. Wow. Idolatry is when you have to consult anything before stepping out into the will of God. So you know what's an idol in your life when the Lord says, I want you to do this, and straight away you think, but what about? That's, right, yeah. That's the idol right there. But what will my spouse say? But what will my children say? But what will my boss say? But what about my bank balance? But what about my personality? But what about my circumstances? But that's your idol right there. Lay that on the altar and watch what the Lord does with your life. So we went over, we did the evangelism boot camp, keep moving along and uh, had the privilege of being part of a great gospel crusade in Ibadan, Nigeria, where 1.2 million in attendance over the four nights. We keep going. And uh, then I went back to Kenya, preached the gospel. I've also been many other spaces as well. We'll keep going. And uh, now we're in a new season as a family. So on Thursday, we fly out to Kenya. And uh, we're going for seven weeks to launch this initiative. And then I'll be leading the initiative remotely. We may go back. My, my, I have this crazy dream of a national stadium gathering at the end of the year where we dedicate the youth of Kenya to the Lord and we actually have the president declare that the youth of Kenya belong to Jesus. So I'm going to be working on that while I'm over there. And um, I share the whole journey to say I'm an account... Like, my parents were so poor that they would stop every time they saw roadkill because that was free dog food. We would get our apples off the side of the road and they were always very sour and didn't quite look like the ones in the shops. I'm an accountant nurse son who got picked on his whole life in school. I was bullied my whole life. As the redhead, a little bit chubby, used to tell people stories about Indonesia and They'd be like, mate, you're in Australia, forget Indonesia. And I couldn't forget what I'd seen. I've just, my whole life, I've just said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And, you know, Joyce said, oh, I don't know if it's a good idea that you share about yourself today because um, it might feel like it's, oh, look, the Andrew show. But I, I pray that all you've seen is the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. So, Matthew chapter 14 tells the story of Peter stepping out to walk on the water. And I just have three things that I think could really encourage you today. And then um, I'm going to pray for us. Is this okay? Yeah, good. Are we good? Yeah. Good. All right. I'd rather spend a few moments with the Lord than rush off into the day. Not that you can't spend time with him out there. In fact, it's essential. All right. So I'm going to paraphrase and I'll just read a few verses. Basically, there's been this incredible miracle the disciples just saw Jesus feed the 5,000. Now they're going to move over a lake, a big lake, a big sea. 
And as they're moving over the sea, a big storm's coming. And all, actually, that might be another story. <laughs> no, there was a storm. It's all right. Yep, I'm just double checking. So it was beaten by the waves. The wind was against them. And as they're going along and their circumstances don't look too great, all of a sudden, Jesus appears on the water and starts walking towards their boat. He was not in the boat. They were in the boat. And now he is walking towards them. And it says here that immediately Jesus spoke to them because they cried out in fear. And it's a ghost. Immediately uh, Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. I don't know what your circumstances are, but you might find that you're in a situation where all of a sudden Jesus is disturbing your storm. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus is walking on top of the water. And Peter says, I'd like to do that too. If this is you, command me to come to you. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. Peter steps out of the boat. And he walks on water and comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, this is verse 30, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Are you of little faith? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Three points. Number one, step out immediately. Step out immediately. I was talking with a, a guy on the fire camp. He's a builder's apprentice and he feels the Lord saying he needs to step out into full-time evangelism. So he said, I don't want to talk myself out of it. I don't want to let the devil have an opportunity. So he's standing at the door. He's one of the last people to leave. And he looks me in the eye and says, so I'm telling you right now, I'm going home, I'm going to sell my motorbike, that's $10,000. So that's the start of my evangelistic ministry right there. If I need to, I'll sell my car, that'll be another $40,000. I need to do this and I'm going. And I'm like, wow. But if we hesitate, the world's voice can get turned up in our ear. The devil's voice gets turned up. Doubts get turned up. When Jesus, imagine if Peter had hesitated and assessed his circumstances and situation. Okay, Jesus is out there. Now he said that I can come to him. Okay, gravity, I'm in a drown. Okay, that's the first thing going against me. Number two, I'm not part of the Trinity. I'm not a deity like I, this could go really bad. Number three, there's so much wind and waves. If I start sinking, how's he going to see me? And no one else is joining me either. So I'm stepping out alone. Step out immediately. While we were on this camp uh, up in Bendigo, I was pulled to the side and someone said, there's a big brown snake outside just outside of, the, of the, the meeting hall where we're having our meeting. You need to make sure the children come in, everyone comes in. I go outside and I say, tell me where the brown snake is to this lady, Mel. And she goes, it's right where your son is. 
standing right now, barefoot, reading a book, completely off with Andy, what's his name? Terry Denton or whoever his favourite author is. He's just walking around like this, barefoot. And I look at my son and I say, Sean, run to me, run to me, now, now, now. And he goes, completely unaware of the danger that he's in. He turned and he just began to run to me. And I grabbed him and I said, son, you didn't know it, but there was a snake that could have taken your life. Thank you for listening to the voice of your father. And you know, I, was, I talked to him about what it was like for him in that moment. He said, when you first yelled at me, I thought I was in trouble and I was scared. But then I realized you were trying to save me from something and I needed to do exactly what you said. Friend, you've got to step out immediately. Don't hesitate. Don't wait for tomorrow. If the Lord is speaking to you about something, step out now, right now. Don't hesitate. Number two, the second thing I, I glean from this passage is this. Step out in faith regardless of your circumstances and what others are doing. Isn't it so interesting that really what the others got to participate in was a worship party. Everyone here gets to come to church and worship. But how many of us get to experience stepping out and seeing the miracle of God walking on water towards our Saviour? Yes, they had a worship party in the boat, but man, imagine being the one that stepped out of that boat and walked on water. Don't look at your circumstances. Number three is this. Step out knowing you are secure. Step out into the faithful arms of Christ. Because what happened? Peter did start sinking. And there are moments when we step out and we go, Oh God, oh God, what have I done? And guess what? Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He reaches out his hand and he saves Peter. You know, a lot of people, I love what Liam said before, rather than asking what could go wrong, ask what could go right. Knowing that even if something goes wrong, God is able to work together all things for the good of those who love him. So I'm going to close on this. Where do you want to live your life? Where do you want to live your life? On the open seas with Jesus or in the boat? I've said this before, potentially even here. I would rather drown on the seas of obedience than live in the boat of fear. Now, what does this look like for you? I cannot tell you. I can give you a prophetic word, maybe. Maybe someone else on the team can pray for you and you get some direction. This is your journey with the Lord. But this is what I know. He's not mute. And if you will open up your ears and open up your heart, He will speak to you. Some of you, He will give you a 
dollar figure to give this year or even to give in this moment. Some of you, he will talk about a neighbour, a relative, a friend. Some of you, it's letting go of, of a sin or something that's entangling you. Some of you, it's like I said, believing what he said about you in this moment, immediately taking hold of it, applying it to your life, regardless of all the circumstances around you, knowing that if you accept this word that he's spoken to you, it could get a little bit risky because now you're going to get vulnerable. Now you're going to be a little bit more open. But the Lord is faithful. And if you begin to slip, he will grab you. I don't know what he's calling you into, but I do know this. While I've been preaching, he's been speaking. While I've been sharing my testimony, he's been speaking to you. And he's asking you in 2023, will you step out? So this is, the, this is uh, what we're going to do right now. We're going to open it up. We're going to open up the altar for anyone that just knows that they need someone to stand with them so that you can actually just share and get prayer for the thing that the Lord's called you into. And I want to say one other thing. Some people, I just feel to release this really quickly. Some people here, you feel like you missed the boat. You feel like... I'm too old or that season's gone. Good on you, Andrew and Joyce. You know, like go to Kenya, hallelujah. But we missed it or our season's gone. I want to tell you right now, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God, only refinement. He will use you. Some of you can't go to these nations physically anymore, but you can in prayer. You can uphold others in prayer. Some of you... you, The Lord is on your case. Yesterday, I sold some water plants to a man on Facebook Marketplace. He came to my house and he was older. Let's just put it that way. He said, that's my childhood car out the front. And it was an antique. I think it was a Henry T. No, not quite, but it was some sort of Aston thing. He goes, you know, I just want to buy some plants and... As he's standing at, my, at, at the front door, he looks across the street and my neighbour has put a lawnmower on, uh, on hard rubbish. And he says, oh, I'd quite, um, he goes, I'd quite like that lawnmower. Can I store it at your house and I'll come back with my car and pick it up? And I felt a prompting step out and offer to take it to his house. And we're pretty busy at the moment, getting ready for a few things. And so I stepped out and I said to him, his name's David, I said, David, um, how about I drive it to your house? He goes, who would do that these days? I said, mate, Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. My neighbour's standing in front of me and he needs someone to take his, uh, his new hard rubbish find down, down, to, uh, down to his house. So I'm going to do that for you. I said, I'm, an, I'm actually, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelist. He noticed that our camper trailer was out. I said, we just did a, a, a ministry camp in Bendigo. And as I'm following him home, he's having this thought. Hmm, evangelist, Bendigo. I wonder if this guy knows my friends that live in Bendigo, Mark and Ruth Brown. So as we pull up, he says to me, you don't know Mark and Ruth Brown, do you? I was just joining the dots. Bendigo, they live up there. They, they, they're Christians. I said, mate, their son was in my bridal party. He was one of my groomsmen. 
Do I know Mark and Ruth Brown? Absolutely. He goes, he's like my childhood friend. And then he begins to unpack how his grandfather was a Baptist minister, but he hated his grandfather, how his father was a deacon at the church, and now he doesn't go to church anymore, and now his children, takes three generations to lose your faith, just so you know. Um, now his children are struggling with alcoholism and all sorts of challenges. And so I'm standing in his driveway praying with him. He calls Mark, my mate's dad, and says, you wouldn't believe who's standing in my driveway. It's, it's Andrew Scarborough. Well, Mark and Ruth message me and say, we pray for you every single day in our house, Andrew. Every single day we pray for you. So thank you for reaching our friend. Because they're praying, but they're getting the reward in that moment. And David messaged me this morning. He said, Andrew, thank you for all you did. His daughter, I won't say her name, is on the phone right now. And she needed your prayers. I can't thank you enough. What a coincidence about Mark and Ruth. I believe this was meant to happen. You selling the water plants, your neighbours throwing out a mower, you feeling you had to deliver it for me, and then the Brown family connections? I still can't believe it all. Enjoy your trip overseas and hopefully be in touch on your return. Here's my phone number. Come on. And I share that story to say some of you, you, you do. You, like, it's just human nature. You go, I ain't packing my family up and moving to Kenya for seven weeks. But what if you could pack a lawnmower up and drive it over to a neighbor's house? Sometimes it's the little things that make an eternal difference in someone's life. Amen. So right now, if you, if you just feel the Lord saying, come on, 2023, step out, step out. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. If there's a specific thing in your heart that you know the Lord's asking you to do something about, like that guy who just needed to say, I'm going to sell my motorbike. You need to tell someone today, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I believe the power of God's going to fall in this place. I believe the fire of God's going to fall in this place. I'm going to actually ask all of those that did the fire camp to come forward. You're going to be part of my prayer team. So if you're on the fire camp, I want you to lay hands on people and break fear off of their lives in Jesus' name. If, um, if you're part of our leadership team as well, feel free to come forward. Um, we would love to have you up here. Um, John, Jenny, feel free, and, and others, David and, and others. You might need prayer yourself, so I always do this. Pray for me, and then I turn around, and I start praying for others. Never let your position get in the way of your position. Just because you're a leader doesn't mean you can't receive. So get prayer if you need prayer, then give prayer. And we're just going to ask him to come and move in power right now. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the fire. I thank you, Lord God, that you speak to us. I thank you, Lord God, that you reach down and you grab us. And when you look at us and you say, run, run, run to me. We can and we will turn and we will run. We may be afraid. We may not know what's going on. We might not see the bigger picture. But if you say, step out, we will step out. We will run. We will run. We will run and we will follow the voice of our Father. And I declare in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against this community will prosper. We will go from strength to strength, obedience to obedience. We will run. We will advance. We will see the kingdom of heaven come in this region as it is in heaven. Father God, I pray for supernatural boldness to fall in this place right now. 
for supernatural courage to do what you've asked us to do. Let our faith not be without works, lest it be dead, but let our faith be with works. Coupled together, we will see your kingdom come and your will be done. Oh, we love you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We pray for a spirit of conviction in this place. No condemnation, but conviction from the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to get caught up in civilian affairs. We're going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these will be added unto us, but they will not be our focus. Oh, our focus is you. Our focus is your kingdom. Our focus is your righteousness. So if you need to stand with someone in prayer, just come out of your seat right now. There's a whole team just waiting to pray for you. And they're going to even lay hands on you and just break off fear. They're going to believe with you. If you need to let them know, hey, this is, this is why I'm forward. Um, ask me next Sunday if I did it. <laughs> you can do that. We bless you in Jesus' name. I know there's some nice cakes and there's coffee and things out like that out there. Please have fellowship together as well. And let's grab what the Lord has spoken to us today and let's step out in 2023. God bless you and thank you so much. I'll see you in a couple of months. Thanks for lifting us up. In